I think people thought <laughs> when they, when you think of giving birth in a car, you know, I think they didn't realize I've been preparing and really dreaming about an unmedicated VBAC for years. And I've been preparing my mind and my body and my soul and everything to do this. So it was not, you know, obviously I would have loved to move around. I would have loved, you know, my lavender oil and tub and doula and midwife with a Doppler. And that would have been ideal, (laughs) but you know, I did it and I did it by myself and that's pretty badass. (laughs) I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Hi, my name is Emily Geller Hardman, and I am an opera singer who lives in Briarcliff Manor in Westchester, New York. I have two children, a son, Wesley, who will be three in August, and a daughter, Rosemary Claire, who will be four weeks tomorrow. Um, and this is the story of my uh, precipitous <laughs> V-back car, car birth. <laughs> amazing. Not our first, but uh, it's amazing every time. So tell us first a little bit about your C-section. Yeah. Sure. So I was planning to work with midwives at the uh, Connecticut Birthing Center uh, in Danbury. And I had a doula and I was all up in the natural birth world community. I listened to a ton of podcasts, read all the books, um, you know, was avoiding the cascade of intervention type hospital birth. I was really committed to having a unmedicated vaginal birth. Um, And unfortunately, my son ended up being breech, which I was totally down to doing a vaginal breech birth. Um, But unfortunately, near the end, I just ran out of time and I could not find a provider. I was due right around Labor Day and anyone that I called either the hospital wouldn't quote unquote, allow them to do breech birth anymore, or they stopped doing it just altogether. The, the doctor just stopped doing them. Um, or the doctor was on vacation or they only worked nine to five Monday to Friday. So if I gave birth, not during business hours, it would be an automatic C-section. You know, it was just like a lot of hurdles. Um, so it was pretty exhausting and in the end, uh, pretty devastating that I wasn't able to have the birth that I was preparing for. Um, that being said, I did have a great C-section and it went really smoothly. I was able to advocate for myself and had one of the first gentle C-sections at Danbury Hospital. So we had a clear drape, um, instant skin to skin, 90 seconds of delayed cord clamping. I did vaginal seating, um, hand across colostrum and, you know, and brought that with me in syringes. So I was you know, they had music playing the, you know, the doctor was really uh, respectful of, you know, keeping all the talking to a minimum, you know, it was overall, in terms of C-sections, just, it went just really a well. quick question on that. How hard was it to get uh, those requests met? Like, so I just, I met with everyone ahead of time, and just said, this is what I 
want. And they were like, well, we've never done that. And it just kind of came down to, I was like, I totally understand if you're not comfortable, but if I'm doing a C-section, these are the things that I want. And I'm happy to go somewhere else that if they, they're comfortable and they're like, no, 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 we can do it. Well, and they we'll did it. It's <laughs> great. And they did it. And the OB was, was great. And she really, you know, she said, this is how changes happen. You have to, you know, the patient has to request it. So overall, you know, the recovery was, was good considering, but I knew that after I had that birth, I really wanted a VBAC for my next one. Can you just talk a little tiny bit, Emily, about, um, you know, you said something like it was really a devastating experience and clearly it went as well as it could have. And it may have even exceeded all your expectations of a C-section, given that you seem to believe you really needed one because it was a breach baby and there was no one willing to attend a breach vaginal delivery. What then what was hard about that birth when you were, when you had all these things to feel really at peace with, um, it didn't feel like an unnecessary or did it feel like an unnecessary cesarean section? Yeah, it felt unnecessary. I felt like I could push out a breech baby. Like I, I just felt like I could push out a baby, butt first, feet first, head first. And I just wanted the opportunity to do that, but I didn't want to free birth, you know, like unassisted. I mean, ironically <laughs> later on, we'll get to that, but you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to free birth, um, you know, a breech baby by myself in my backyard. That's just not. So it makes sense because you, I mean, it says it all when you say you really would have been willing to have a breech vaginal birth. It just that no one was, no one stepped up being available to do so. So that explains it. No. And at the time, at the time for my first birth, I didn't feel comfortable traveling and having a, like a midwifery home birth or something along those lines, you know, now for my second I had a whole breach backup plan and I did an insane amount of research on breach because I thought, well, this next baby might be breach too. I want to do everything I can to make sure that I have plan A, B, C, D, E, you know, all lined up, different providers, depending on what the situation is. Um, so I took the breach without borders course and sent all my records to different, different midwives and different OBs. So I had a bunch of backup plans. All set up, but it ended up that she was in a really good position, maybe like a little too good of a position. <laughs> I was doing um, chiropractic work with a Webster certified chiropractor even before I got pregnant to prepare my body and work on my scar. So we did Graston technique on my C-section scar and dry needling and just trying to align my body as much as possible. And then I went weekly the entire pregnancy. I was very type A. <laughs> Were you familiar with the Webster technique in the first pregnancy? Did you do that to try to turn yes. the breach? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, first time in terms of trying to get my son to turn, I did everything under the sun, external version, Webster technique, spinning babies, hmm. you know, every name it, acupuncture, you know, whatever it is, I did it. He liked his position. Yeah. So second pregnancy was just a little more rough in general. I just feel like I was bigger, more uncomfortable, but yeah, in terms of preparation, you know, again, just like re-educating myself, a bunch of books I read mentally processing my last birth, really grieving that and going through that. So going to ICANN meetings, therapy, doing a lot of birth meditations to prepare for this birth and fear release. So I think that was really helpful. And then putting together a supportive team of, so I was back with the same midwives that I was with, with the first pregnancy, same doula that I hired first time around that I didn't get to use, you know, either of their, <laughs> their services. So 
yeah, just getting my husband on board, which was not hard. You know, I mean, he, he just did whatever I wanted for this birth. He knew how important it was. Yeah. Just preparing for that. Everything went well. She, once I found out she was head down, that was a huge relief. That was like the one thing that I was really nervous about. And then I was like, great, now this is just going to be a straightforward VBAC. So I was at a wedding in Pennsylvania. So I'm in Westchester. So it's about three, three and a half hours away. And it was my, my husband, Travis's cousin's wedding. I was 37 and four days. So at that point, you know, I was having some prodromal labor, but nothing, you know, again, people can have prodromal labor for weeks. So I wasn't, didn't really think too much of it. Um, Certainly did not think that out of all of the day, you know, we're there for two days and what are the chances that I'm going to go into labor at that point? And even if I was, we're only three and a half hours from home, you know, what are the chances that I'm going to have a super fast first time labor? At 37 weeks, no less. (laughs) Yeah. I just didn't think that it was, that was a thing for me. (laughs) I knew it was a thing, just not a thing for me. I knew that it's possible. (laughs) Yeah. I knew that it was possible, but I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go post dates. I'm going to have to, you know, decline all of these scans and have all these NSTs. And I think I was just preparing for the the quote unquote worst and having to fight for Mm -hmm. what I want, even though the midwives were incredibly supportive and, you know, all of that, but I'm still working within a hospital system. Because I'm a VBAC, I wouldn't be able to give birth at the birthing center. It would have to be at the hospital. So I'm still in their world. So we went to the wedding. It was beautiful. So nice to, to you know, after COVID, I mean, we're still in COVID, but, you know, after not seeing uh, so many people for so long, you know, celebrating with family and we were dancing and a bunch of people came up to me. Um, I was huge at that point. They were like, oh, you're going to dance that baby out. That baby's going <laughs> to come out, you know, dancing induces labor, which is funny now. But at the time I was just so swollen and pregnant and I was <laughs> kind of over it. <laughs> like, let me just dance without people constantly telling me that I'm going to go into labor. <laughs> let me just have a fun time with my husband. Um, but it's fine. You know, like we had a great time. We went back to the hotel room. Um fell asleep around 1130. And at midnight, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom. I stood up and my water broke. You mean you felt like you had to pee or? Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So I felt like I had to pee. And then I stood up and I was, at first I thought I was peeing and I'm like, okay. I don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Not usually. Not usually. I don't don't do that. (laughs) Nothing crazy. But this was a lot of fluid. And I just kept leaking and it didn't stop. And it, then it just was like trickling pretty much the whole. So anyway, I woke up my husband around 1230 and I said, Hey, I think my water broke, you know, but I'm GBS negative fluid was clear. There was no odor. I thought we're good. Contractions didn't start. I thought, okay, this is going to be a marathon labor. First time labor, probably going to stall out, you know, let's just rest for a couple of hours, just get some rest. We'll wake up, we'll drive, we'll make the drive back and I'll, at least we'll be a little bit, we'll have a little bit of sleep, <laughs> which I think statistically, you know, that probably was the right call. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, in hindsight, we should have left immediately. So my husband was really tired and he said, yeah, that's fine. And he fell back asleep. You know, he trusted me. And <laughs> um, You don't have to twist his arm to go back to sleep, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> You're fine. Fluid. Yeah, got it. No order. Good night. But yeah, so from there, I tried to go back to sleep. I thought, okay, I have to will myself to sleep. This is the time that people get excited and they really should be sleeping. I need to sleep. So I'm trying to sleep, but I just kept leaking. 
the fluids just kept leaking um, to the point where I was just laughing. It was so ridiculous. I was like, this is dumb. I have to, like, at some point, I was basically from 12 to 3 a.m. just up and down, going to the bathroom, going back to bed, going to the bathroom, going back to bed. Um, the poor hotel room, like I used all of their towels. Yeah, but 3 a.m., um, I went to the bathroom and when I wiped, I noticed that there was blood. And I thought, okay, bloody show. Here we go. Things are ramping up. No contractions, but we should probably head out. And then as soon as I thought that, the contractions started, like, pretty much immediately. So I woke up my husband. We packed up the room. He ran out to a drugstore to grab some adult diapers for the car since I was still mm-hmm. leaking everywhere. He didn't want his car to get ruined. <laughs> Fair which, enough. Again, in hindsight, is hilarious. Um, but... Yeah. So we uh, got in the car around 4 a.m. And at that point, it's, you know, a little after three contractions started. They were immediately four minutes, three minutes apart, a minute long, intense contractions. And I thought, wow, this early labor, this early labor is hard. (laughs) This is this is a lot, actually. But I used a uh, the gentle birth app. So I was using that throughout my pregnancy for meditation. And then they just came out with a contraction timer and we got in the car around 4am from there. I was just using the contraction timer and I was in and out of the car a couple times stopping and starting. So um, we're in the car and basically, you know, things were really intense in the car, but I was just using the contraction timer and breathing. Um, When things got more intense, I was doing lip trolls and low moans just thinking, okay, relax my jaw, relax my jaw, you know, don't tense up. And you up. had three and a half hours to get to the birth center? Is that right? You said three and a half hours? Uh, well, three and a half hours to my house, probably closer to like four hours to Danbury. Okay, cool. So it was like we left at 4 a.m. Contraction started a little after three. And at this point, I still didn't call the midwives because it was the middle of the night. I didn't want to bother them. And I just thought, well, we're so far away anyway. I don't want to wake them up. I'll wake them up when we're like an hour away to just give them a heads up that we're coming in. But I don't want to wake them up in the middle of the night. You know, whatever. (laughs) We're so polite. (laughs) I know. I was was like, I don't want to bother anyone. Same thing with my doula. I just texted her because I knew that she keeps her texts on silent, but she'll have her phone on if we need to reach her, her ringer on if I call her. So again, I didn't want to wake her up. I just sent her some text messages and I just thought when she wakes up, she'll see it, you know, no big deal. Um, So again, we're in the car. At one point, I asked my husband to pull over because it was just getting really intense. And I stood up and put my, I put my wrists on the top of the car and it was really cold. And I remember thinking that felt so luxurious to just be able to stand up and feel the cold because I was sweating at that point. And while I was outside of the car, my legs were shaking and I was starting to bear down. And I thought, there's no way I'm in transition. There's like, there's no, you know, but I knew that my legs were shaking and I was like, well, that's not good. That's, that means things are getting more intense. But I just thought, well, this is early labor and I'm, it's probably just so intense the pain is so intense that I'm, I'm tensing up and I'm pushing before I'm ready. And then I thought, Oh no, I'm going to be swollen. I'm going to go to the hospital and I'll be swollen and they'll give me Benadryl and then I'll be out of it. (laughs) So I I just thought, Emily, don't, don't push, just relax, just breathe. You know? So my husband has no idea how far along 
we are, nor do I, you know, I'm just breathing through it, <laughs> just thinking, okay, we have to make it. We still have, you know, a couple of hours in the car. So I willed myself back into the back seat um, after. And, you know, I remember in between contractions, I was just resting my head on the toddler car seat and I could see on the screen on the GPS that we still had two hours. And I remember just thinking okay. like, okay, I'm just going to ignore that. And then I just looked out the window again to like watch the sunrise. And I was like, I just need to breathe and not look at that GPS timer that says two hours. So he was driving down the highway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was driving. Was, what time. was his state of mind? Was he totally cool, calm, collected, relaxed? Yeah, we're both pretty calm overall people. And I think, you know, again, I wasn't screaming. I would, you know, like I was kind of hanging out in the backseat moaning. So he just thought, okay. He didn't you realize. Know, and he asked, like, do you want to go to how far you were? No, no. And I didn't realize either, you know. So I think because I was calm, he was calm. You know, in his defense, he did ask a couple of times, like, do you want to go to a hospital? Do you, should we look up a hospital? And I just said, no, no, because I still, you know, I'm not. First of all, I didn't have the mind to, like, hold up a phone and, like, look and find a hospital. But second of all, um, you know, I don't want to just walk into a random hospital as a, right. as a VBAC and they know nothing about me. They have no history yeah, you knew you were so committed to, you know, having this feedback and you knew you needed to get to those midwives where you were sure that you were going to have the the kind of provider support you wanted for your birth. It makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah. It may, I think this way makes for a much more interesting story. So what happened? Yeah. And again, I didn't know how close you were, how fast yeah. progressing. Yeah. I had no idea. You know, in hindsight, if someone said, do you want to give birth in the car? I would have said no. Would you have liked to go to a hospital? Yes. Sure. Right. You know, but you didn't. So, know. but at the time, I didn't. You know, I'm in the back seat, so my my head's on the toddler car seat. Um, I'm propped up on one hip. I have one hip on the floor, one foot on the floor, one foot up on the seat, and then with my left hand, I'm holding myself up with the the little bar that holds dry cleaning. Now you know what it's really for. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what it's for. It's not for <laughs> <The dry handle. laughs> Every expecting parent deserves access to a certified doula, no matter their budget, birth plan, or location. This is the idea behind the digital doula program, Beautiful Births and Beyond. Their on-demand doula program includes access to online classes and 24-7 birthing and postpartum support via text or video. Book a free consultation with Beautiful Births founder Colleen Myatt and receive 20% off an hour of digital doula support. Visit beautifulbirthsandbeyond.com and use promo code down to birth. If you're suffering from insomnia or pregnancy pains like restless legs, leg cramps, or have lower back pain, then you have to try 8 Sheep Organic Sleepy Lotion. It's helped over 73,000 pregnant moms get a good night's sleep. We're not even pregnant, and we love the Sleepy Lotion. Visit 8sheep.com, that's the number 8, sheep.com, and you can try the lotion risk-free with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code down to birth to get free shipping. But I was doing that and I remember thinking, I need to get off my tailbone. I need to, I need to make sure that my pelvis is opening. I should let me try to lean over on the car seat and I can just drape myself over the car seat and be on all fours. And then I'll, you know, my pelvis will really open up and this will be great. But every time I tried to move, I, I couldn't. Like there was no, the contractions were just so strong. They were right on top of each other. 
and I couldn't move. So I just tried to prop myself up on one side. And at some point the, we called the doula and, you know, again, we didn't know how far along I was, but I just, I said, when we get closer, I'll let you know whether to meet us at home or at the hospital. Um, and she was like, okay, great. I have my phone on me. I'm, you know, ready to go. Um, we did call the midwives at some point we got a operator and she was going to have a midwife call us back. But at that point I was already bearing down and pushing. And I remember I couldn't really talk, but I was thinking, I hope this operator hears that I'm pushing and that they really want to call back soon. And things got intense. And I told my husband to pull over and he said, there's nowhere to pull over. It's a death trap. There's no, you know, there's nothing, there's no, um, what's it called? No shoulder, but did you say death trap is a poor choice of words? <laughs> it's not exactly yeah, I know, what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no shoulder um, for him to pull off on. And then I reached down and I said, there's a head. Oh my gosh. I held a head. And he was like, okay, I'm pulling, you know, yeah. he immediately just pulled over like wherever he was. So he thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go and deliver the baby. And I don't know if it was like five or 10 seconds later, she oh flew out just like one contraction just flew out. And I said, there's a baby. It was just a, like my body just pushed her, expelled wow. her out. I mean, it was like crazy. Just as he had pulled over to the side and the car had stopped. No, he was still like trying to pull over. Like he it didn't was, even, he didn't even start within, <laughs> within like 30 seconds. Yeah. I said like pull over. And he was like, no, there's a head, there's a baby. Wow. I mean, it was like, like fast, fast, fast. And then he, you know, looks behind me, <laughs> looks behind and I'm like, you know, covered in blood and holding this baby. <laughs> and then I look down and I say, it's a girl because we didn't know the gender. So. So you had pulled, you had pulled off your own underwear at some point because you felt it happening. You felt the head. Yeah. I think when we, um, when we pulled over, I think that was around when I got out of the car for the luxurious um, standing portion of my labor <laughs> where I could move for a second. Right. That was around 5.30 okay. a.m. at that point. So I was leaving for about an hour and a half. Um, and I took my adult diaper <laughs> off then. Oh, right. That's what you were wearing. Okay. And then you yeah. got back in the car. What time was she born? Uh, 5.47. Oh, minutes so after fast. you got back on the road. Yeah. So she yeah. came out and then he proceeded to pull over and stop the car. Yeah. And he, and he called 911, but basically... She, she was breathing, but I grabbed some of the towels and was rubbing her down and I tipped her, tipped her over a little bit to see if there was any fluids that would come out um, and just trying to rub her and get her to, mm -hmm. to cry a little bit. But when I looked down, I saw that the, the umbilical cord had snapped. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that that was, that I mean, that seems not mm -mm. like a common thing. It is not. So... Yeah. So looking back, my midwives and kind of everyone I spoke to, our best guess is that the cord was short, which I do know I took pictures of my placenta and I have all, all of that. But I think the cord was short and she just shot out really fast. And I like ripped her up to my chest, like super, you know, I didn't want her to fall on the floor. So I think it... What did you do with the cord? Because... So I looked at it and it actually had clotted like immediately. So there, it wasn't... So her on her side... The cord was about three inches long. Um, the placenta was still in me. The cord was, the rest of the cord was still in me somewhere, but it instantly clotted. 
it was very bizarre. Like there wasn't a lot of, but I wasn't hemorrhaging at all. Um, she also was fine. It was very, I, I mean, I think we just, it was, we were really lucky. I spoke to a bunch it's of. It's very lucky. <laughs> it's very lucky, but it, but your body on both ends, what needed to happen to stop the, the blood from continuing to transfer happened. Cause it's not just like, it's an open highway of you know, blood flowing back and forth. There's yeah. things that happen on the placental end and things that happen on the baby end that stop the process of that. So your body just did exactly what it needed to do. It just could have been, mm-hmm. it could have been a very, very yes. different situation, but amazing. Yeah. So it was, it was great. Um, ambulance got there. We didn't need anything. They brought a mobile ICU just in case they gave her some oxygen, but she didn't, she didn't need it. I think it was <laughs> It's just like, there was nothing really to do. Like we were good. Um, the main thing was just keeping us warm because the door was open for a while. Um, while the EMS people were trying to get us out and you know, all of that. So she was a little cold, but we ended up transferring to a hospital and we did all of the, you know, blood tests and sugar levels and all that stuff. And she latched on great, like breastfeeding this time's way easier um, even though I, I breastfed my son for 21 months, it was still a little bit of an uphill battle in the beginning with mastitis and clogged ducts and a bad latch in the beginning. So this time is just like way easier overall. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was from about the first contraction at 3 a.m. So water broke at midnight, first contraction a little after 3 a.m. And she was born at 547. So it was, you know, less than a little less than like two hours, 45 minutes from like first contraction to birth. Yeah. I think it was only just in hindsight, you know, afterwards and people were like, thank God you're all okay. And like, what a disaster and like how terrible and oh my gosh, like, how were you not scream? I think people thought <laughs> when the, when you think of giving birth in a car, you know, I think they didn't realize I've been preparing and really dreaming about an unmedicated VBAC for years. And I've been preparing my mind and my body and my soul and everything to do this. So it was not, you know, obviously I would have loved to move around. I would have loved, you know, my lavender oil and tub and doula and midwife with a Doppler. And that would have been ideal, (laughs) but you know, I did it and I did it by myself and that's pretty badass. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) <laughs> so I think people just thought I was like a screaming banshee in the back seat, and Travis is screaming and we're all screaming and it's just, you know, a full on nightmare of pain. And I, it really wasn't like we were pretty chill. And I think, you know, me being an opera singer, I'm in high stress situations a lot and performing in front of, you know, it's just, it's a lot <laughs> being a professional, you know, and just like any, you know, sports, you know, athlete or, you know, being able to focus in mm-hmm. high stress situations and perform is, I think, a it, it takes a lot of mental energy and practice. And I've, I've had that practice. So when things were getting intense, I was able to focus and go back to my breathing. And I was timing my contractions up until 15 minutes before she was born. Like I was just doing it by myself in the back seat. Hey there, all you amazing, strong and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms to be. 
I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code down to birth at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sits bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code down to birth. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. You're clearly really informed. And, you know, I'm guessing even before your first, you were pretty informed. I'm guessing it's your personality to just get really well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's no surprise to me that you, you know, when you heard you had to have, or when you, I hate to say had to have, but when you made the choice, given your very limited options to have a C-section the first time around, and you chose not to say, go to Ina Mae Gaskin's farm in, the, in yeah. Tennessee, and you made the choice to have a cesarean section you clearly rolled up your sleeves and said, all right, I'm going to have the best damn cesarean section I can possibly have now. So um, do you feel you equally prepared for what postpartum is like? 
I don't mean the physical recovery. I mean the emotional, the lifestyle, how your relationship is impacted. Yeah. So I think first time I thought that we were prepared because we were filling out worksheets about, you know, whatever expectations of things. And I felt very informed. So I felt like we were in a good place. But then after my son was born, I just had a lot of resentment and rage, even though I wasn't, I'm not an active, like yeller or screamer, you know, I don't, that's not normally how I express things, but I was, you know, I think in hindsight, like pretty passive aggressive. And if my husband went out to do something, I was like, oh, that must be nice. Like have a great time. I'll be here, (laughs) you know, with our child. Um, So I think it, it was rough. It really, motherhood um, really changed me. And I wasn't expecting such a substantial rebirth of myself. I just thought, well, if I have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or, you know, any kind of issues, like I'll just go and get help. No shame in that. Like I'm, you know, very common. I'll just go and get help. But I was in it so deep and I was so high functioning. I was doing, you know, multiple gigs and auditions and, you know, in the middle of productions of shows that it just like no one thought anything was wrong. I barely thought something was wrong. So it just, you know, it it wasn't until about like at least six months in that I realized that we needed help. And we started seeing a marriage counselor and that made like all of the difference for me. And then this time around, uh, before I got pregnant, I started seeing my own therapist. And that was really key, which my husband was, you know, trying to was encouraging me to go see someone. And for a while I was resisting, not, I mean, I've seen therapists in the past, not anything like that, but I just thought like, well, I'll just go to someone when there's a problem. And he's like, okay, but like, maybe you should just go to talk to someone. Why wait for a crisis, right? Yeah. Like why wait (laughs) for the building to be on fire? Like, let's just, you know, so it was a little preemptive. And I think that's made a huge, huge difference for me to have a space Um, you know, that's not a mom group or not a postpartum group of any kind, just, just one-on-one talking to someone I think has been really huge. And this postpartum has been way different than the first time around. And it's just more relaxed, easier. Um, my husband and I are, you know, in a great place and, you know, we went out on a date last night and it's just, you know, it's, it's different. So what's your advice to just summarize based on the questions I had, what advice do you have for women related to birth or postpartum? I would say, you know, you can list a bunch of things to quote unquote do, but I think the main thing is just really finding a supportive provider and listening to a lot of birth stories and knowing that you have a choice in everything that happens Um, not with your labor, obviously you don't, you know, you can't control what your body does and in situations like that, but you know, you should have informed consent for everything that happens, no matter who your provider is and really doing your research and making sure that you have a team around you that supports the kind of birth that you want. So even though I ended up not using, you know, my doula in labor or my midwives in labor, um, I think having having that support and knowing that I had that made um, a real positive impact. So I wasn't panicky and just trying to get some positive, positive vibes in my brain. (laughs) 
going. And that was, that happened actually after a meeting with my doula when I was in my second trimester and we were sitting down and talking about my birth plan. And I was, I was just talking about all of the things that I didn't want and how I was going to avoid all of these things and disaster. And she was like, you need to stop thinking about all of the things Mm -hmm. you don't want and think about what you do want and channel this, this energy into what you want. And it took me a while to kind of process what she said there. Cause I just thought, okay, yeah, but like, I need to avoid that da, 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 to get what I want. So, <laughs> but she was right. And I thought, you know what? Yeah. I need to start doing meditations. I need to start getting this positive, positive energy. There's always a duality when we, you know, sometimes we're first more clear on what we don't want. And it can take Mm. a while to figure out what we do want because our brains almost are afraid to even go there, you know, but when we go there and we really see what we do want, it's like, you know, am I willing to really expect this to ask the universe for this? Like, can I really expect a beautiful, happy birth or is that too much to ask? And I think we get so afraid of being disappointed later if we get too attached, but it's actually really better to just the way I think about it is just expect and plan for that birth that you want. But my favorite expression that I use with clients is I want you to feel by the end of this, not only clear on the birth you want, but I want you to feel you can roll with the punches. You know, that's yeah. it. Cause things can come up and it's like, okay, I'm all right here. Okay. Now I know what questions to ask. Now I know what options I have. You I mean, you had a car birth for God's sake. <laughs> it's like, if yeah. you don't feel trust in yourself and that you can roll with the punches, then you can't get through that feeling safe and calm. And you, you absolutely did. So what do you attribute yeah. that to just all the work that you did? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, I think in the moment staying calm was, you know, knowing that there's no, there's only one way out, you know, or I guess two technically, but you know, this is like, this baby's coming out one way or another and we're in the car and there's nothing I can do and panicking and freaking out is only going to make it worse. And I knew that pain, fear cycle, you know, and I didn't want to get into that. So focusing on breathing and just knowing that I had to ride the waves and just let it let them happen and go through. I just encourage everyone to, you know, be positive and do your research. And I hope that everyone has the birth that they want, no matter which way the baby comes out. If you enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share a favorite episode or two. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Down to Birth Show or contact us and review show notes at downtobirthshow.com. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. The car, baby. She she's gonna hear her birth story so many times in her life. <laughs> I know. It's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, though. I really appreciate yeah, it's it. Great. The, it the stories like this are wonderful for people to hear because it just reinstills in their minds the fact that birth just happens. It just happens, and if you just yeah. let it happen, it almost always goes yeah. okay. And if it's not if it's not gonna go okay, like if your birth for the most part weren't yeah. gonna go okay, you would have had time to get somewhere like you would have had some signs of it not going okay you would have yeah everything was just really efficient it happens like that birth just happens and it's okay i mean the only crazy little quirk you had was the cord snap but 
still your yeah. body did what it was supposed to do and it was okay.